It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I would think I have said, put together a solid, not spectacular class, but a solid group of rookies. And I think that they addressed almost all of their needs with one glaring one still yet to be addressed. And that's the edge rusher. But they did get some players that will be relied upon right away. Yeah, you know that the the knee-jerk reaction in this league is to try to grade everything immediately after it happens. And you know that it's going to take three years before we know whether this class is a success or not. I think you and I started this offseason understanding that you had to marry free agency and the draft together and get to a point in May, which here we are, you know, my holiday on the NFL calendar, May 1st, because now we have everything in front of us to assess the roster. And we see a roster that is markedly better than it was when the Bears finished the season last year with 10 straight losses. You look at the offensive line and you've added a, a top 10 first round pick in front of Justin Fields to go along with a, a top shelf free agent guard. And Nate Davis, weapons for Justin. They got him DJ Moore. They got him Tyler Scott. They got him Robert Tunyon. They got him Roshan Johnson. They got him Deontay Foreman. Offense feels better. Defensively, you've got free agent investments in Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards and a draft pick in Noah Sewell. You went out and drafted two corners. You rolled the dice on three defensive tackles this weekend, all of them hybrid models, according to Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflos. And so you feel that when Ryan sits up at the podium on Saturday night and says, we have made strides. We have made improvement that it's truthful. Now, the other part of that is the path from three wins to 11 or 12 is a long journey. And so they're very, in the very early stages of that. And so you can acknowledge both things, that they've made obvious roster improvements while also still having a long, long way to go. And Ryan's the first one to tell you that. So when you look at this class, I think the obvious question coming out of it is, and we'll stay general here for a moment, when you look at the group of 10, how many in 2023 do you think will be regular full-time starters? It's a good question. I'm just going to go down my list here. Darnell Wright, 100%. So Darnell Wright, that's got to be it, right? He's one. Uh, you, you look at the combination of Dexter and Pickens on the defensive interior. One of those guys has to step up yeah. right, and become a starter. And that's the whole point. Create competition. Let one of those men win the job. That's two. I think the goal right now is for Tyreek Stevenson to be your outside starting corner opposite of Jalen Johnson with Kyler Gordon becoming your full-time slot guy. So that's three, right? And now all of a sudden you're just looking at, okay, how can you mix Roshan Johnson and Tyler Scott into the offense? I don't think they'll start. I don't think they'll be primary contributors right away, but those guys should contribute for you. Doesn't th Don't think that Sewell is going to be a guy that, given what you invested in Edmonds and Edwards, that cracks the starting lineup right away. Could potentially be your, your number three linebacker, be Edges, Jack Sanborn aside. So I guess the, the that's a long path to saying three. <laughs> I, I think three is conservative. I, I do want to explore a couple of these possibilities because I think let's go to – what you said last there about the Noah Sewell pick. I really like that pick. I didn't think I would like a linebacker being drafted at all. Right. Because I don't think it's a position that I went into this draft thinking, boy, I can't wait till they draft a linebacker. Right. I would have preferred them with, you know, to be talking about the quarterback of choice today. But look, <laughs> Dan, I, I think when we talk about with due respect, Jack Sanborn is a football player. Jack Sanborn is somebody whose productivity 
got him a lot of well-earned respect and notice last year as a rookie. I don't know that that job is something he has a lock on. I think Noah Sewell, when you look at, and I found myself yeah. down this rabbit hole on Sunday, watching more tape of uh, Oregon football than I ever imagined only because it was rainy outside and had the time, <laughs> but he does some really nice things. He's an excellent blitzer. He, he, he's done. He relied on his athleticism to deal with blockers and get around them in college in a way that he probably won't be able to get away with in the NFL. But Dan, I could see Noah Sewell sure. being a strong side linebacker starter, whether it's day one or not, but next year. Well, there's no question, and I think that speaks to a larger point here that when we zoom out on where the Bears stand in the complex of the NFL, we were talking all about placeholders and upgrades, right, for a long time here. And, and Jack Sanborn deserves all the praise that he's gotten over the last 12 months. At the same time, he was a productive starting linebacker for a 14-loss team for a month last fall, right? And so if you find somebody that can move your needle and make you a better defense right away, then you pivot in that direction right away and you push Sanborn back into a backup role, special teams role, and you feel comfortable that he's going to give you everything he has. Similar things are, uh, you know, potentially in store um, – for, you know, I don't want to say in the same context, but, you know, Braxton Jones, right? Like a rookie that deserved all the praise he got as a rookie for a last place football team. Well, now he's going to be evaluated not as a fourth round pick out of Southern Utah, but as a starting left tackle in this league. And people inside that building will emphasize that and say the bar is higher in 2023. And as the Bears continually try to raise that bar, guys are going to have to clear it to keep their jobs. Those are two examples of guys that over time are going to have to fight to keep their jobs. Because I don't think, I think I'll say this, that I think the Bears are, are determined going into it to make Darnell Wright their right tackle. But I think they have confidence that the skills he showed at left tackle in college are also something that gives them flexibility if they decide to pivot in that direction. At Excuse me. I, I think you're right. That's a good call. He's got athleticism. He's got versatility. Even though right now it, you like the idea of them having two young tackles to develop. Yeah. Yeah, no question. And that, that's a good starting point. Um, I do think that they succeeded in our role, in, in our you know stated objective to get Justin help, to create the No Excuses Tour. I think you're there now. Right. I think I think you can honestly say that offensively you're there now. And now it's on, on Justin and Luke to get together and figure out what this whole thing looks like. And, the, and then let's put together a plan for how this offense can be much, much more productive. Well, as I said this morning on the Mullen Haw show, and I think it becomes the theme of the offseason from May 1st until September, is that we can maybe now stop fixating on how the Bears are going to help Justin Fields succeed. And now we can start focusing on how Justin Fields is going to make those around him better. Correct. Because that's the next step for a young quarterback. How do you, as a franchise quarterback, elevate the play of everybody around you? Typically, we're talking about receivers here. Yeah. Certainly, you can help the offensive line, and he already has last year in terms of making it more difficult to be a guy who is sacked. But that is the next level, Dan. Would you agree that – Justin Fields now has to lift as he climbs. That's the entirety of 2023, without question, because we can get uh, deep into discussions and, and justifiably so on every other play on the roster. But the defining traits of 2023 with the Chicago Bears are going to be what Justin Fields does in his third year as a starter and what he does for himself and those around him. There's no question that that is where the lens needs to stay, that that is where the center stage will be. And we've got a date now, David, May 11th 
is what we are told is the uh, schedule release date. So the No Excuses Tour will have dates and cities attached to it in less than two weeks. And so that's an exciting time for you and me. Do we know who's opening for the No Excuses Tour? Because I would love Tim McGraw to be the guy. It's his birthday on May 1st, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I'll put you in charge. Like, you are okay. the promoter of this tour, and you can go out and figure out who wants to jump on the bus and get in on this. But I, I'm all for it. And again, like, I think the first road trip uh, will probably be somewhere where the Bears go for uh, more than a weekend, right? And they, they spend the week doing crossover practices. And so the, the No Excuses Tour will start maybe Tennessee or Indianapolis or someplace in the AFC that, that allows them to, to get that thing kicked off right. If it's in Nashville, David, then I like I expect you one to be there and to have multiple headliner acts. Definitely. I'll have a I mean, I'll have a lot of options in Nashville. I like that town a lot. All right, Dan, back to the the Bears roster and the draft picks. We talk about how the young offensive tackles are there as bookends now to develop. On defense, you alluded to it. It's almost like we view them as a package deal. It's Dexter and Pickens, and he's not a Dexter Pickens, but it will become that to some Bears <laughs> fans somewhere. We'll get a call about, what's the deal with Dexter Pickens? <laughs> well, you've got Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, and both are athletic hybrid defensive tackles from the SEC. Dexter from Florida, Pickens from South Carolina. I don't know which one has higher expectations. I do know that we talked to an Our Lads analyst on Saturday, um, and he compared Dexter to Chris Jones. I don't wow. know if that's overstating it, wow. but are they similar? How are they different? And are both guys on a similar track? Well, we will learn more in the, the, the weeks ahead. You know, I, I always get excited for rookie camp because it, it, it not only gets us the opportunity to put our eyes on these guys in person, but it also opens the door to talk to the coordinators, to talk to the position coaches and try to get a, a fuller picture of the vision that this staff has for these guys. And so uh, it'll be Travis Smith overseeing those guys development and it'll be awesome to talk to him this weekend and just get a, a sense for similarities differences what are the strengths what are the weaknesses where do we go i will say with both those guys david you are betting on traits and potential more than you're betting on college production zach pickens notably on the the zoom call on friday night was open with us and saying i wasn't consistent in college it's a box I want to check at the next level is to find a way to, to become more consistent. It's not something you want to admit on your draft night, and it's something that you have to improve going forward. And I think both of these guys are going to have to show um, that, that they have the ability to develop and grow and be consistent because if not, then all of a sudden you're talking about that that pairing that I, I've brought up way too many times on the air of, of Ego Sutton uh, or Ego Ferguson and Will, <laughs> and Will Sutton, right? That that was talked about. Okay, here we got two defensive tackles, and neither of them amounted to anything in your organization, and you pivoted and had to reboot at that position again. You'd much rather these guys mirror the Tommy Harris Tank Johnson production level or Chris Jones. I like what you're throwing out there with Chris well, Jones. I mean, we're talking about an All Pro Super Bowl winning catalyst of a defense. Then let's go for it. That wasn't necessarily my comp, but we talked to an analyst from uh, uh, from our lads who referenced that Ryan Poles was the director of scouting during Chris Jones's um, rookie year and during that draft. And I think that that was the idea was that ah. he saw much of Chris Jones in Jervon Dexter and that that is why he decided that would be a good direction to go and now if you get chris jones yeah i think this draft is going to be one we look back at as as uh, monumental and pivotal because that would be 
a sign that he's evaluating talent the right way. I do think that's a bit premature <laughs> because you're talking about, you know, although I, you know, Chris Jones was also a second round pick. He wasn't 53rd, but he did go in the second round. No doubt. No doubt.